Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for those leading in God's church. This is Andrew Cook and I'm pleased that you could join me again. The New Testament letter to the Ephesians. The new series continues. And a pastor talks with Malcolm Ryan. Last time here on Serving Today, we began a series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians to help us preach from this book. We've been guided in this by Ray Tibbs, and in our previous programme he explained what it means to be saints and faithful. Ray joins us again as we come to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. When I spoke with him, I asked him to tell us what title he would give to this talk. The title for this talk is The Father's Part in Salvation, because this is the first section of three short passages which tell us the way in which the whole Trinity has a part in our salvation. And from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 6, you're going to draw out four ways in which this is true. Yes, that's right. First of all, we find from verse 3 that God has blessed us. And so there is no better provision for us. This is what verse 3 says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Saints may seem to be disadvantaged in this world because of their God-centred lifestyle. But in reality, they are far more prosperous. These blessings are heavenly in origin, having come from God and are therefore heavenly in nature. That is, heaven is the environment in which they will be enjoyed one day. They are spiritual rather than material. So cleansing from sin and fellowship with God are not valued by the world, but precious to the saints. Their relationship with Christ is both the reason why saints receive these blessings and the means through which they are given to them. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, all things are ours because of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23. Yes, when material blessing is seen as more important than the spiritual blessings that Paul writes about here, That can lead to discontentment, can lead to dissatisfaction and disillusionment. So it's a challenge to that, isn't it? It is, because it's so easy to complain that we lack something. And the implication is that the triune God has failed, which, of course, is not true. So because of God's spiritual blessings, Christians are more than well provided for. That's the first thing. What else has God the Father done for his people? 
Yes, verse 4 tells us that God has chosen us and there is no better position to have than that. And this is verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So we ask the question, why should saints receive these blessings? It is God's choice because they are God's choice. That choice was made before they came into existence and was not dependent upon anything in them. This choice was made not for the sake of the recipients, the people themselves, but so that God himself would always have a perfected human creation in his presence. Election has two sides to it a choice from others and a choice for something or someone. Saints are chosen not only by God, but for God. And how did this choice take place, Ray? Well, all those who are in Christ are God's chosen ones. That perfected human creation could only become so through what Christ achieved for and in them. He secured that perfection for them by providing his own perfection. They are holy and blameless only because he is. The Father has given them to the Son so that they would be his. John six thirty nine, seventeen verse 2. There is no need to covet earthly status when we hold such an exalted position already in Christ. So we've seen that through God's blessing we have no better provision and no better position. What else does this mean for the believers that Paul is writing to? Well, in verse 5, it goes on to say that God has predestined us. And so there's no better privilege than that. This is verse 5. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Yes, God made his choice out of delight and not duty. He did not have to, but it was his pleasure to do so. His motive was love, which in turn determined his method. He wanted human beings to become part of his family. The only way that could happen was by adopting them. The barrier of sin, which rendered man so unlike God, had to be removed. The family likeness had to be put in its place. The sacrifice of Christ achieved both these things at once for those whom God had chosen. Such a privilege can never be earned, but is ours only by the gift of God. And what's the final aspect of the Father's part in salvation that these verses teach us? Well, in verse 6, it shows us that God is glorified in us. And so, for us, there is no better purpose. And verse 6 says, To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Our sainthood 
mainly demonstrates the grace of God. The inhabitants of Ephesus saw God through the Ephesian Christians, and it's the same wherever you live. Those around you will see God through you. Those Christians were made holy so that others could see what God was like. And that's the case with those around you too. He gave them his name and identity through his son so that people would know who he was. God speaks through you in your community also. And the angelic host also witnesses this. And one day, All the redeemed will be gathered before him as a glorious testimony to his great grace. And how would you apply this as we close? So we should do everything that we can to make sure that our sainthood brings glory to God in this world. But God will ensure that it does so when all are gathered together in the next world. Ray Tibbs, thank you very much. On a similar theme to what we've just been thinking about from Ephesians, our good friend Malcolm Ryan joins us for A Pastor Talks. He reflects on what it means to be like our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So, we repent of our sins and ask Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. Is that it? No, that's just the beginning, because now that there's meaning and purpose to life, it's a whole new ball game. As the Westminster Catechism puts it, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our goal. In other words, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these says the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 12, and the only way we can keep them is to become more like him. In Romans chapter 8 verse 29, the Apostle Paul explains that God has predestined his people to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, a lot but not all of the divine image in which they've been created was lost. But thanks to God's grace, his image has been restored in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we grow in Christ, as we mature in our faith, we can take heart in what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, that we, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So how do we keep our faces unveiled? By keeping short accounts with God, and being honest with him and ourselves. Then we can start being the kind of people he wants us to be. And to encourage us, in 1 John 3, verse 2, the Apostle writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's to say, although we're a bit short on detail, we can rest assured that when we see the Lord Jesus, there's going to be a family likeness. In the meantime, our Father in Heaven is calling us to faithfully follow His Son and cooperate without compromise. In 1 John chapter 2, we're told, 
that if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. How can we do that? On our own, it's impossible. But in God's wisdom and strength, directly available to us through his spirit, we can live a useful and victorious life. As renowned preacher William Temple said, it's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like his. And as we press on toward the goal of Christ-likeness, we can be encouraged in knowing that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan for bringing us that encouragement from God's Word. And that's the end of this edition of Serving Today. We do hope that you've been helped by what you've heard. Do join us again next time. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May the God of all grace bless you as you serve Christ our Lord. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio thanks for listening and goodbye